tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Caitlin Quinn. Caitlin is passionate about working with shelters and rescues to reimagine the way they tell their stories and connect with new audiences. She was born into a cat-loving home, growing up alongside the family's cats, Sneakers and Miko. She has served in the animal welfare field since 2008 and early on had the honor of working closely with organizations across the U.S. to maximize resources, redesign policies, and identify innovative marketing solutions. Caitlin believes deeply that love and respect for people is at the core of helping more animals. She has been the director of operations for HeartSpeak since 2015, and in 2021, she also began teaching shelter marketing for the University of Florida's Master's in Shelter Medicine program. Caitlin, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. So uh, it looks like you had Sneakers and Miko, and I love those names. So are they the reason you're passionate about cats or was it something else? Yeah, they really were definitely the foundation. Um, Sneakers was my parents' first child. (laughs) They had her before. (laughs) They had me um, and my brother. And um, she lived to be 18 and was just like the center of our household it felt like when we were growing up um she taught my brother and I a lot about boundaries and <laughs> and good behavior around cats and then we ended up with Miko who was a very different personality she was like the cat who came home and hid behind the bookcase for a couple weeks until she was kind of forced out of <laughs> out of there um but she she really became another, you know, she lived um, 19 years. And my dad, who's like a big six foot five kind of football player style guy, he and this little six pound cat were like the best of friends. So it was definitely just a, a big part of our family life to have cats. Wow. That's great. That's excellent. I, I too, I grew up a cat with a cat that taught me about boundaries. Also, her name was Duncan and she lived to be 20 years old. And uh, she was, she was, seven years older than I was. So yeah, so she was like seven when I was born. So I learned a lot from her growing up and uh, yeah, really respecting that cats have their own independent soul and you need to respect them and all that kind of stuff. And that was a valuable lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's interesting how opposites attract you. You were talking about with your father and with Miko and so, you know, and trying to understand you're telling a story. And so your, your thing is marketing. Tell me a little bit about, you know, why you chose marketing as a path to go into with regards to animal welfare. What was it that you saw that said, oh, there's something missing here and I need to provide some extra resources? Yeah, that's such a great question. I, <clears throat> I kind of fell into marketing by accident. <laughs> um, so my, my education is that was actually in writing um, and then in um, public administration because I was really interested in kind of like the nuts and bolts of how nonprofits work. And I, I wanted to know more about that. And I started my career in animal welfare working on pit bull issues specifically. And what that really introduced me to was this need for more conversation and just the the gulf that exists between what we understood on kind of the animal welfare side of things or the story that we were telling ourselves 
versus what the public was aware of about our work. And through that work on Pitbull issues, I was working with tons of shelters. So going into a lot of communities and getting to see how lots of different organizations with diverse resources operated. And that is what led me down the marketing path um, when I got to HeartSpeak, when I got this opportunity to come to HeartSpeak. At the time, the organization was mostly focused on um, in-person workshops for shelters on photography and marketing and working with artists. And because of what I had seen kind of being out in the field, I realized that there was really a need for more resources that um, really met people where they were, whether they were volunteer-based, whether they were a big organization or a small organization, but really um, more conversation around the stories that we were telling and then tools that would get people, you know, at least halfway down the road <laughs> where they could customize them and brand them themselves and have some control over the ultimate story that they were telling. But I had just seen so such a large gap in the resources that were available around marketing and storytelling that um, that's what I became really passionate about is how can we plug that hole and, and give people what they need to um, connect with the community a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I'm going to really go directly to the heart of the matter here with regards to cats, because there's been a hot topic over the last year or so about how shelters have been changing their behavior with regards to cats and community cats return to field. Um, or, you know, if there's a healthy cat that's brought in and it's not spayed or neutered, we spay neuter it, we put it back into the community, lots of different kinds of messaging and, and language. So from your perspective, as a marketing person, and you're saying you see the general public seeing one thing, and then you see from the animal shelter organizations, another thing, maybe the rescue groups, you're seeing another thing. From your perspective, what are you seeing with regards to community cat issues, community cat programs, and maybe some communication challenges? Yeah, I think you've pointed out just in that little summary, some of the things that, you know, we are all familiar with this kind of shift that's happening, um, or, or many of us are, and that's trickling its way kind of grassroots even through the animal welfare world, right? Um, but the community is often largely unaware of community cat issues to begin with. And then when there's a large shift around those issues, we're kind of halfway down the road of like, no, we're doing this and, and things are happening before we include them in the conversation sometimes. Um, so I think that particular to this moment in time, one of the one of the places that we need to start is around language and particularly jargon. And I think we only think of jargon as, um, okay, so we need to not say TNR or, or all of the um, acronyms that we use, we need to say what that is. But we also take for granted that um, people have the same understanding of cat behavior that we do, or just have the same relationship to cats that we do. I think it's absolutely true that most people love cats. Um, and that's what, you know, has them bringing them to us <laughs> when they find them in the community, because they really truly care for them. Um, and I think we take for granted how heartbreaking it is for someone to get that message of like, leave them where they are, because I think it, we're fighting our own instincts sometimes as humans who care about other creatures. <laughs> and I think that if we can start from a place of let's figure out how to open up a shared dialogue, like what does the community understand? What do we have in common? We both care deeply about these animals. Can we start from a place of helping them understand the why behind what we're doing before we jump into the how we're doing it. Um, and I think that can be one place to start. And the other is just putting ourselves in the shoes of, if we can, remembering what it was like before we knew everything that we know right now. Like, if did we 
come into this at a time where, um, you know, there's so much progress being made, but that the average community member is so, so unaware of that. Can we find some language to talk them through the process without going totally into our expertise uh, way of talking, the way that we would talk to each other? Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all of those topics. And I think that also we shouldn't let go of the past or this. This is what I'm feeling is happening is that so we were operating a certain way in 2019. We pivoted and started to operate in a different way, 2020, 2021. Now everything's sort of trying to get back to a normalcy. So now our general public may be expecting or we feel like we're expected to also operate like the 2019 way, but then we also have this new way we're operating and we have staffing shortages because we had to lay off people or furlough people during the the shutdown period. It's hard to rehire people. So there's all these multiple layers where a lot of people are feeling like they're being set up to fail no matter what with the general public. And maybe as you sort of said, you know, the how maybe not there, but why we're here, we're here to help the needs of the cat or dog, whatever that might be, rather than focusing on every cat is being returned back to the community, or we're not taking in any cats, or, you know, the messaging gets interpreted in this very negative way, rather than saying, no, we're, we're having a conversation one-on-one. I mean, how can you get sort of generalized marketing to feel like it's personalized? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And I think one thing that happens, and why I'm often so stuck on like, talking about jargon, but also just the way that we tend to approach issues. Like we're approaching any given issue in animal welfare, but it seems especially community cat issues sometimes from the place of this is how this is how this affects us or this is how this affects the shelter system or, you know, we're really on the more clinical side of things. And I think that sometimes if we can start the conversation with that kernel of you care and we care. <laughs> like we we are on the same page. Like let's ensure that we're starting the conversation from that place of all the things that we have in common and real compassion and understanding for why community members might be confused around these issues. I think that if we can have that reflection that we are so close to the issue that sometimes we're forgetting to back out of it a little bit and have those more um basic under understanding conversations. I, I think that that is the first just kind of mental shift we need to make before we embark um, in a marketing campaign. And then I think that sometimes we have to be willing to slow down. I think that we want to be able to put together like a single social post or a, a single media pitch that's just going to solve everything. And then we can just put our heads down and do the work. <laughs> um, and in an ideal world, maybe that would be true. <laughs> but I think especially with an issue that is hard for it, you know, I think regardless of whether we think it's hard to understand or not, what we're hearing from the community is that it is hard for them to understand why we return cats to the community or why we want to do things in this new way. And when we're receiving that kind of feedback, I think it's a real, um, message to us that we have to slow down. And those marketing campaigns really have to start with baby steps and repetitive um, messages. So we have to really harp on, we're doing this because we care about cats. Let us tell you a little bit about how cats can really thrive this way and why it's important for them as much as it is for the community. Um, If we're willing to kind of take those baby steps, and again, 
say the message over and over again, I think that we can start to really have an authentic and connective marketing campaign around some of these issues. So what you do at HeartSpeak is you're sort of designing some infographics, some messaging out there that organizations, as well as I believe even individuals can can utilize because it's on, on your website. It's an open resource. So when you're looking at designing those tools that are available to be used by others, you're trying to find that baseline language because I can know, you know, with regards to community cats, there's one trapper who might have one idea of what TNR looks like. And then there's another trapper who has another idea of what TNR looks like. So are you trying to find that common voice in the marketing materials so that then it can be tweaked to each organization or individual's needs? Yeah, absolutely. So we try to start from a place of what is going to be the the most relevant for the the largest group, essentially. And then in some cases, um, we pair our designs. A lot of the things are... um, you know, template for a social post or a template for a flyer, that kind of design material. Um, some some are just fun graphics that you could apply to photos. <laughs> um, but when we when we put together a f- kind of a more holistic kit, we also try to pair those with some messaging suggestions. And when we do that, we're often kind of pulling from um, the the wider world of animal welfare and kind of looking at what what are the major movements that are happening right now what are the conversations that are happening and can we include a note there that you know we've used this language but you may perhaps be using this other term and we're using those interchangeably here um or you know we've seen an uptick in wanting to eliminate this term because it's since been identified as problematic some things like that where we can kind of share a little bit of the conversation that we're privy to um, on a wider scale and and still leave it up to people to be able to customize it as they need, but maybe give them some of the resources to learn a little bit more as well. Calling all cat lovers. Are you ready for a product your feline friends will truly get a kick out of? The Pussum's Cat Company premium catnip kickers are made with the finest quality, 100% natural insecticide and fungicide free catnip. Dr. Pussum's fancy feline elixir pure catnip toys provide great exercise and stimulation for cats of all ages. After the first pounce on one of our catnip pillows, your cat will be meowing for more. The Pussum's Cat Company has been providing superior quality catnip toys to finicky felines for more than 40 years. Provide hours of entertainment for you and your kitties for months on end with our Catnip of the Month subscription or start with a pounce pack of assorted kickers or our Wicked Kicka. Pounce on some Dr. Pussum's 100% pure catnip toys right meow. Go to drpussums.com. That's D-R-P-U-S-S-U-M-S.com and use promo code COMMUNITYCATS to get 10% off your order. Not valid on subscriptions. Have a perfect day. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two way text messaging, automatic follow ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. 
No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. So if I'm a relatively, you know, mid-sized to small organization with a community cat program, number one, social media always is exhausting, you know, or it can be, sorry, I'm sharing my biases here. I'm sorry, but it can be exhausting. It can feel like it's, you're going, you're going nowhere, working hard to go nowhere. And so, you know, from your experience, what's sort of the best strategies to use around social media? What are the best platforms to utilize? Um, as well as how does that play into your website, your email list, you know, how does that relationship work together? And if you are in a small organization and everybody's doing the doing, you know, how can you strategically be impactful, you know, without really uh, having to use, you know, millions of hours? Yeah, I think social media is, um, I think social media is tough for everybody right now. I think a lot of people feel the way that you you just kind of said. It feels like you're on a little bit of a treadmill with social media right now. Um, and there is there's new data that says we're probably only reaching 10% of our already captured audience on a platform like Facebook. Um, and that the same thing's happening on Instagram now. Um, so I think the thing to do when you're starting on social media, whether you've been using it for a long time, is to just go in eyes wide open and know that even if you have 50,000 followers right now, you're not talking to all of them at any given time. And it's it's one reason why we need to be willing to repeat our messages. I think we're so familiar with our own message or we'll say like, well, we posted about that last week. People are going to get tired of hearing this. People aren't even seeing that message. So you have to be, that's one like quick thing we could all do today is just slot in more time to repeat your messages, especially around community cat issues or community cat programming. Um, I think the second thing is to realize that these platforms have changed quite a bit. You know, so if you started 10 years ago using Facebook, you are experiencing a whole different world and more so than ever before, all of the platforms want video. And I think a lot of us kind of cringe at that. I'm I'm a fairly introverted person. <laughs> so the idea of having to put my own face on a video is really horrifying to me. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of folks feel that way. And you can do this without having to be like the face of, of a video. Um, but I think we have to be willing to create more videos. And the good news is authenticity is really kind of the thing that reigns supreme right now on social media. So it doesn't need to be highly produced. It doesn't need to be highly polished. I think that a lot of people want to see more day in the life kind of content on social in that video package. Um, so even doing some quick video clips where you're taking people with you um, when you check your traps and, and talking through 
why you're doing the things that you're doing or, you know, the, the food that works best for you when you're trapping and things like that more, uh, the more that we can show of that again, day in the life kind of slice of what, the work that we're doing, the more we can break down some of the misinformation or the barriers around it. Um, and then in terms of how that ties back to mailing lists, um, and kind of getting people off, off social, <laughs> um, I think it's really important for us to include calls to action with every social media post. So whether they're just kind of um, very, very uh, easy lifts where we're just saying, um, you know, follow, join our mailing list by following this link or, um, or if we're giving like a hard call to action of like, we need your help with X, Y, Z, but being willing to take them off of social or give them other avenues to reach us. Um, not forgetting to do that or bringing people back to your website and making sure that your website has all that really important information, I think is, is very important in this moment. And the last thing I will say about the power of social media is use it to connect with traditional media. So being able to tweet reporters and say, I have a really amazing story about our community cat program, using that as a bridge to reaching back into traditional media methods and connecting with um, especially press, you know, whether it's your local radio station or your local newspaper, those are going to be the folks that can help you reach people that aren't following you on social, people that have never heard of you before. Um, that's going to be your bridge to using social media for, for good. <laughs> so you were talking about Twitter there. And so I want to hold that thought, but also ask you, you're talking about posting multiple times. So how many times a day should we be posting and how many times say we've got an event happening? Um, how many times should we be posting that before the event? Yeah, this is the, probably the number one question that I get. <laughs> and the, the hard part of this, the answer to this is everybody's social media experience is so tailored to how they are using it, whether as an individual or as an organization. So the algorithm is responding to your usage of the platform. So if you're currently posting once a day and you scale that all of a sudden to posting five times in one day, the algorithm reads that as spammy, right? So four out of those five posts aren't going to get seen by anybody. <laughs> um, so the real, the real thing is kind of looking at your current behavior. If you want to be doing more, and let's say you're doing a post every other day, you can start by doing a post every single day. Um, if you're currently posting every single day, you could probably fit in two posts a day. I wouldn't recommend, honestly, more than um, three or four posts a day for most organizations or individuals, because what happens is if you're not giving a really decent amount of time, like seven or eight hours between those posts, you're essentially posting over yourself. And because none of the social platforms show posts in chronological order. They show them based on interaction. So they, they're going to show your most popular posts to your followers, not your most current post. Um, it's going to, it's going to mess with the timeliness of those messages, especially if it's around an event. So I think the, what I would recommend is giving yourself a little bit more lead time and then diversifying how you are putting that message out. So if it's an upcoming event, do a, a post that brings people to your website about it do another post a day later or a couple of days later, that's a video where you're just talking about the event. Um, then do another post that's a really great photo and talks about the event or links to the Facebook event or something like that. So diversifying the content is more important than pushing, pushing, pushing content. Got you. So what about Facebook Live, YouTube Live, all of that kind of stuff? Um, how have you utilized that? 
Yeah, I think a live video is so valuable, especially if you're doing an event um, or if you are able to do some kind of walkthrough. So if it's um, if it's community cat programming, if you're able to do a live video, um, maybe that even takes people through cats waiting for surgery and through to recovery, like any, any place where you have the opportunity to, again, I'm going to go back to that, like slice of life kind of content. Um, that's what people are the most curious about. And the value of live video is that you're not as time bound with live video as you are with clips. So when you're pre-recording video, um, platforms like TikTok and Instagram reels want that to be fairly short right now. There's some talk of uh, TikTok going as long as 10 minutes, which will be a different world for all of us, I think. But um, they want, you know, 30 second clips for the most part. And even Facebook, they'll say, you know, longer videos are welcome, but really the ones that perform best are the short ones. But with live video, you're kind of free of those, uh, those parameters. And you could live stream for 17 minutes, 25 minutes. You know, I've had um, shelters that I've worked with do live stream um, long stay pets and try to get them adopted by doing like a virtual adoption event for over two hours. Um, and you, you are really benefiting from people tuning in and, and they may leave and some people may watch the whole time, but the value of live videos that you have a lot more freedom um, to kind of do what, what you need to do. Interesting. So we talked a little bit before we hit the recording button about the fact that a lot of the folks that tune in and listen to the Community Cats podcast are actually not even affiliated with an organization. They definitely still need money to help support their efforts. Those vet bills are really expensive. And, you know, if you get a cat that's injured or been in a fight and they have to bring it to the vet, that's expensive. Food is expensive. Um, you know, so a lot of folks do fundraising campaigns on their own to try and raise money to help support their community cats. You know, how could HeartSpeak help someone like that? Absolutely. So our, <clears throat> I will fully disclose that like fundraising is not our expertise, but um, language and talking about our programming absolutely is. And I think that there's a, a deep connection between those two things. Um, and I think that one thing that we can try to do is instead of what I see a lot in fundraising campaigns in general is talking about the work, right. And, and the work as the product. But I think when we tap into what motivates a lot of donors, and if we can put ourselves in that seat of like, why, if I were a donor, why would I be giving, you know, um, I think that we can kind of switch back slightly to making the animals the center of the conversation there. And we can still talk about the work that we're doing for the animals, but I think what people really crave is a little bit of a story about that individual animal. And I think what they also crave, especially in this moment, like this is a difficult time that we're going through, you know, with COVID and war in Ukraine and just lots of things happening. Um, I think that people want to feel like if I'm going to donate as little as $5 or as much as $500 to you, I want to feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So if, if all of our fundraising revolves around um, the sad part of our work and we're kind of using the emotional lever of guilt to get people to give, like if you don't give, something bad will happen. <laughs> um, I think that that wears on people. And especially in a moment where everything is already emotionally fraught, I think that people are more likely to turn away from that messaging. So if we can switch our messages to be about 
here's a problem and you can really easily solve it with us. Um, and this animal will benefit in all these amazing ways and talking about, you know, our, our favorite community cat and why we, why it's really important for us to make sure that he, his leg is fixed because he deserves to go back into his life in the community and, and make people smile when they see him and, and really go down that route route of, um, hope. And there is, uh, there is a lightness to this work. It's not always doom and gloom. It's a, a, a great point. And I also think that as individuals, we can still communicate, um, you know, the, the story and going back to what you were talking about, the why, you know, the why are we involved? Why are we doing this? And so I think that that is important as an, as an individual helping to share with your neighbors, um, you know, as well as your own general community and thinking about the fact that you have your own platform and with tax rules and things that have changed. And I'm not a tax expert, but, you know, charitable donations are deductible at a much more compromised level than they have in the past. So giving gifts to individuals, you know, as long as there's transparency, there's integrity, there's a belief there that your dollars are going to the right person, you know, that person, um, then there's no reason why you shouldn't contribute to an individual's campaign to help those cats in the community and help them with the work that they're doing. I can't talk about marketing without talking about graphic design before we close out. So there's lots of graphics available on the website, a lot of things to pull from there. Um, I'm wondering, a lot of people talk about Canva for graphic design work. Um, is that a resource that folks should get to know and should utilize? Or, you know, can we just sort of pull everything off your website and kind of know what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can I'm like a bit of a Canva evangelist. I love it so much. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that I highly recommend it is it's it's so accessible. So they have a free version for individuals. If you are part of a nonprofit, they give away their pro version for free to nonprofits. Um and what I we use Canva for some of our templates. So when you go to our website and you click on uh one of our templates, it will take you to Canva. Um, and I'm really careful to use only free elements or elements that we design ourselves so that if you have a free account, you shouldn't have any issues editing um, any of those templates. But if you do have a paid account, you also have this option to like, maybe you want to swap out some of the choices that I made in terms of uh, graphic design. And the way that I look at Canva is really kind of... Um, democratizing design, right? It's designed for all of us non-designers. <laughs> um, and, and for those of us who didn't, you know, get an education in design, it helps you make good choices um, about making sure that your text is really visible on, on a colorful background and, and just um, giving more breathing room, you know, a little bit of white space <laughs> on some of those kinds of graphics. Uh, so you can both go to our website and download graphics that you could use in any program, but we are going to funnel you towards Canva in some cases. And that's really just because it's the best tool that we've found that's the most accessible to the most people. And I also need to ask you, what's your favorite scheduling tool for social media? Ooh, good question. I really like one that a lot of people haven't heard of. It's called Planoly. And I use that for Instagram because Instagram schedulers can be kind of tricky sometimes. <laughs> um, and that one I like, especially for individuals, because it's free. You don't need to have like a suite of tools. Um, and then I also appreciate uh, Later, which is another scheduling tool that started very Instagram heavy, but you can schedule other 
content through there as well. And then I, I do use the creative suite from Facebook to schedule for Facebook. I know that that's people either love that or hate it, but I'm all about a free tool <laughs> where I can use it. Um, and so that that's what I use for the most part is just kind of uh, between Planoly and the creative suite from Facebook. I, I go in that direction. And I can already see in my mind a whole nother show. We could just talk about hashtags all day long, you know, and they're, they're saying we, and I did not get back into Twitter. So we have a couple of other topics about how to utilize social media, as you're saying, to reach out to reporters, how to get in touch from that part of the world and get your word out. And we didn't talk about public relations. There are just so many other things that we can talk about, Kaylin. It just is truly, truly amazing that 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 wheel <laughs> the wheel is going unfortunately so the <laughs> wheel that we get on so hopefully it will take us places for sure um but if folks are interested in finding out more about heartspeak caitlin how would they do that they would visit heartspeak and it has two s it's hearts speak so two s's in the middle um dot o-r-g um and the i think the most exciting program or most relevant is our marketing resource center but we also have a network of artists who um we have several artists who partner with community cat programs and take gorgeous photos uh professional photos for them which really help with storytelling so there's a lot of there's a lot to explore there excellent excellent anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today I will end with a tidbit about hashtags and it is to just put in your mind uh, this idea of using hashtags that are going to reach the most people. So using hashtags for your city or your county or your community over really broad hashtags like adopt, don't shop that can be kind of alienating. I know that's not relevant to community cats, but those kinds of very general hashtags, maybe let's go in the direction of finding our local community and connecting with more people there. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah. Don't, don't use the most generalized hashtags and try and yeah. try and zone zone them in but then make sure people are aware of them so that they'll look use them and, and look for them going forward exactly. for sure excellent well caitlin this has been just such a pleasure i want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show and i hope we'll have you on again in the future thank you so much that's it for this week please head over to apple podcasts and leave a review we love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Did you attend the online kitten conference in June? We hope you enjoyed the incredible content provided by our expert presenters and hope their guidance and encouragement will help you turn your passion for cats into action. Events like the Online Kitten Conference would not be possible without the support of our generous sponsors. CDE Animal Cages, Best Friends Animal Society, Zinzi Pie Save My Pet ID Tag, Humane Network, Feline Fix by Five, and Cat Savant. If your business or organization would like to support content that makes a difference for cats in communities worldwide, visit communitycatspodcast.com slash event dash sponsorship.